Alan, I'm excited to be back. It's been three years. I was thinking it was two and you, you actually said it was three. And I was like, wow. So, you know, a memorable event that that takes me to where I am today. I mean, there's lots, right? But if you if you have to pick, Peely and I, you spoke about as bartending, right? But we we were in a lot of service activities, right? So bartending um, had had passed that a restaurant and bar, then went and helped the family construction business and all added value to my life, but they were things where, where I wasn't in control of my time. And that, that can probably speak to many, right? Where the day just happens and you say, wow, what just happens? And I'm not going to allow that to repeat tomorrow. And then all of a sudden that happens again, and that happens again, and that happens again. Well, Healy uh, became pregnant with our first kiddo, uh, who's now eight. And that was that moment that we were working late nights, we're working long hours, right? If there was 25 hours in a day, we could have used them. And we had to make a choice, right? The choice was, okay, you know, we're, we're, we're having an amazing kid that's going to come into the world. And either this is just the pace of our life, or we're going to choose it's not. And we made the decision to start the conversation that we no longer wanted our life to be dictated by something outside of our control. And we started asking questions. And a lot of those questions, we didn't know good questions. So we weren't getting good answers, but then we would get answers and would lead us to better questions. And that eventually led us to large multifamily. And that was the evolution of, of what brought us today by just making a decision that I need to start taking action if I want my life to change. Instead of hoping that it will just get better doing the same things every day, I'm going to make a choice that we're going to go out there and try stuff. And it may not all work, but we'll learn something from it. And that was the first stage of just saying, okay, enough's enough with where I'm at. We want something different. What else is there? And then going to take action to find that result. And that was investing in apartment communities. Well, Jason, so you the light bulb went off for both you and Peely. And you're going, we just have no control over our time. And this is not the way we want to live. So there's a big step from the light bulb to actually taking action. So you said that you ask a lot of questions. And a lot of the questions you didn't know, even if they were the right questions, and they probably weren't. But eventually that led to the right questions. So just kind of take us down that path from that enlightenment to stepping in to multifamily. So you have to be and understand where you're at, and then you have to accept it. And most of the time we, we don't want to accept it because maybe it's, it's painful, right? And so we have to say, okay, if it's painful, do we just ignore it? And that's what happens in most people's lives. So just, you just go through and say, you know what? It's more scary out there to try something new. So I'm just going to deal with something that I'm not entirely happy with. So I started controlling what I can control. I started getting up early and putting myself in a place that I was prepared for the day. And I still do it today. I get up, have a glass of water, make coffee, go meditate. I'll do some stretching. I'll do some core work. And then I'll work out, usually with a kettlebell, and I'll go run. And then on that stage, uh, Peely's getting up. She'll get her time. I'll start, if the kids start waking up, having time with the kids, she'll get herself in the right mindset and the mind frame for the day. And then from there, we'll both come together and we'll both start the day. And so it sounds like I started the day, but I actually started the day 
taking action and creating wins. So if I look back at the day and say, okay, the day went you know completely sideways throughout the day. However, I was prepared for that because I wasn't worried about getting myself together. And in in many right, I remember days of just waking up into you know go 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 right, and you wake up into one thing after another that's just leading you down the path. Getting up, controlling the narrative, setting the stage to put myself in the right healthy mindset, right? Even before my health has allowed me to now have a clear conscious of just clear minds to be able to take on things as they come throughout the day. And that allowed me to be open to learning in the morning, right? Whether it's not just on yourself, how to make yourself better, but we, we've lost in, in just society overall, just, just putting ourselves on, on the stage and saying, I have to improve myself. I can't wait for, you know, night and shine armor, something to show up. That's this magical wish that's going to make me better. I have to make me better. Right. And I can be everything from eating right, sleeping right, getting up, working out, just setting the stage that you're in the right format for the day ahead, because your improvement upon yourself is going to put you in the right place. So when success has come upon you, you're ready for them because light bulb goes off each and every day for, for still goes off for me today, right? For everyone, we have to act upon it. And if we're not ready, because the day is so chaotic that when something comes up, an event comes up or anything else, even if it's something that could be magical for our life, we're too busy, right? We're too busy just run the course of all the things that are fires throughout the day to even take notice of it, or if we do notice it, to act upon it. So you started taking these lifestyle changes uh, into effect and placing them into effect before you stepped into multifamily. Is Am I understanding that correctly? Correct. So even so you had the you were in this situation where you had little to no control over your time but you shifted your mindset and by shifting that mindset you still had all of this chaos going on but you had a mindset that you could get up in the morning and you could arrange your life and you could decide what aspect of that chaos you're going to engage in is am i understanding that correctly so we have in this world we have creators and consumers and we all can find time whether it's 10 minutes 15 minutes and we don't we don't need these huge blocks of 19 hours five hours a day like that's just not attainable but if you ask someone okay oh you have no time well let's look at the time in between the time right oh you have an hour commute okay how can we learn on that commute right how can we make calls on that commute how can we be action with the commute. Oh, I, I can't get a workout in. Well, get up 15 minutes earlier, go, go walk around the block, do anything. Right. So we have time. We just have to understand that we have to find the time and the choice has to be made. Am I going to be a creator or a consumer? Am I going to create a better version of myself and create more of an impact out there? Or am I going to consume? Right. And that consuming is everything from, I'm going to go out there and, and maybe listen to stuff that's not going to be best served for me or take in information or feedback. That's actually not something that should be with in my life, or I'm going to watch Netflix for five hours, right? There, there is time. It's just, what are you doing with your time? And can you eliminate, right? Stop watching TV for 30 days, Bet you have time then. Stop scrolling through social media, right? Are, okay. Bet you have time then. That commute, fine. Okay. Well, I don't know, get, get a job that's closer. Or if you're going to keep this job and it gives you life you want, use that time accordingly. Make five calls while you're there. Listen to something and, and, and understand the value you can get from it within that. So it's the use of time that gets distorted in our lives. And we, when you think life, especially when, when being younger, 
it was predicated by other people's decisions about time and schedule and everything else. And we lose track of that when we go out into the world because we're either dictated a time by someone else or we're setting up some schedule that's not really a schedule, right? So we make choices that aren't aligned with where we want to go. And then we ask why we're not at the results we want. Well, Jason, one of the tools that I understand that you use is the 100-mile mindset uh, for multifamily investing. Tell us what that tool is and how and why it's so effective for you. Well, we think about our goals and then our goals become unattainable because they become some vast and so big. And that's great. Like have big goals. You should have big goals. There's no reason to set small goals and then get to them and then not get to where you want to be, right? So you said big goals, but most of the time, let's say today, what we were talking a little bit earlier, right? About, about first time riding a horse, but let's just say Mount Everest, right? I want to climb Mount Everest, right? And oh, I'll just never be able to do it. It's so overwhelming. And then the first question would be, well, where is Mount Everest? People are like, well, I don't know. Well, well, if you want to climb Mount Everest, maybe you should figure out where it is, right? Because that's that first step. Figure out where it is. What logistically would it take me to get there? Because that's an actual step, right? Oh, the flight's going to be 18 hours. Okay, so I'd have to prepare. Okay, where can I find a, a flight? And then when I get there, what would be the steps to get there, right? What's transportation like? What would a guide look like? Who would be the right person that successfully done this that could lead me to the path? What's the typical equipment I need? So instead of thinking of all those steps at once, what if I can start knocking off one at a time? And then you can set a mission for how to get yourself through actionable tasks to the top of Mount Everest. So when I started running ultra marathons, I'd never run 100 miles. I'd run marathons. I didn't even know ultra marathons, which are typically longer than 26.2 miles, existed. I just never had heard of it. So to say that I knew people that did it, I didn't. It was a new discovery for me. So I just started watching events and seeing events. But I there's even like a training pattern. You can find marathon training patterns, but if you're going to run a hundred miles, you know, usually you'll run two long distance runs before a marathon. Maybe if you're going to run 26.2 miles, you'll run a 20 and a 22 mile run before the race. Well, I was like, I don't think you run 80 and 85 miles a couple of weeks before the race. So what can I do to prepare? And I, I said, I don't know what I don't know, but what I do know is I can control just what I'm doing today. So I started repetitively each and every day run six miles. If it was hundred degrees, if it was three degrees, if it was raining, if it was snowing, if my foot hurt, if my knee hurt, if my ear hurt, if I didn't feel well, each and every day, get up and run. And what that did is it mentally put me in the right frame so when I started that race, I said, well, I don't know how to run 100 miles, but I do know how to run six miles. So there's about an aid station or a drink station, whatever you'll call it, every six miles. So let me just run six miles and see what happens. And so I'd run six miles. I'm like, okay, I've done that plenty of time, right? Okay, so can I do that again? Okay, I'll do that again. I'm at 12 miles. And then, okay. And then can I do that again? And then I would repeat that to a point here where each and every time that I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Well, I've run six miles again. Can I just get to that next one and just see what I feel? And it might start being, well, can I get another 500 feet? Or can I get to the bridge? Or can I get to the tree? And I would get to those next points and say, okay, let's just get to that next point. And when you get there, you can make a decision on what to do. And getting there each and every time, lo and behold, I look back and I crossed the finish line of 100 miles. But it wasn't 100 miles done. It was a bunch of attainable six miles, six miles, six miles, six miles that I had repetitively done that got me to the goal. And that is everything that you can build into any goal you have is to set up tasks that you know you can complete. 
and control completing them. And if you think it's going to be a hard, well, get to the completion of that task, not the goal. So it might be, let me buy the right equipment to get to Mount Everest. Let me, when I get there, know, speak to three guides who are there that have done this. Let me speak on to someone who's a nutritionist that, that's done these high elevation climbs, right? Those are tasks that you can do to get you closer to your goal. So when the goal or, or the stage for you to complete the goal is in front of you, you now know the tasks are in front of you that you can already accomplish because you've already accomplished them both, not only in your body, but in your mind. Because the mind's usually the, the, the driver, right? The mind is what's going to keep you and what's going to hold you at the same time. Because you can run, like your body can get to 100 miles, but your mind's going to tell you you can't. It's going to continue to tell you you can't. And the more you can put your mind in the set, in the stage, and just the understanding that, well, why not? Why can't I? Because my body's fine to do it. My body's, my body's good, right? So let me just see the next stage. Just tell my mind I'm going to get to that next part, and then I'll figure it out again. And if we can treat life like that, instead of saying, no, I can't, well, yes, I can, but I'll get to that next part, and then I'll ask myself again, can I? And okay, I did. Okay, when I get to that next part, can I? And if you can keep that within your mindset of where to go, you will find that what's in front of you becomes a lot more attainable. Well, that makes good sense. And it certainly, I mean, it's easy to talk about. It's uh, not necessarily easy to implement. But as you were pointing out, it has to do with our mind and we can tell ourselves so many, many lies about ourselves. We can go into all kinds of denial. We can go into all kinds of fantasies and never actually take those actual steps, those actual actions to actually get us to where we want to go. But you break it down in, in making sense. You can you run six miles so you can run six miles again. And you can take your drink break, your refresh break, and you can run another six miles. And so breaking it down that way helps to break down, I think, all of those mental barriers that I think all of us have to overcome. Well, the only I mean, way past denial is doing. That's it. Yeah. Because then it's no longer in denial because you're doing. And anything that you deny yourself from is there's two parts then you either don't want it that bad or just start doing. Because if you start doing, then there's no longer denial because you're doing it. Even if it's that first thing, right? Even if you showed up and you ran six, eight, 12 miles and just went home, you showed up, you got to that first stage. Maybe next time you'll get back, you'll try again. Maybe you'll fail again, but maybe you'll get 30 and you'll get back and do it again. Maybe the next time you'll get 43 but each time you've showed up and your mind has told you, well, I did 12 last time. I could, okay, let's see. This time, oh, I did 30 this time, right? And it won't be the goal yet, but it will be a lot farther than you ever have, be a lot farther than you ever did. And so your denial starts becoming more of a reality of, well, it is possible because I am doing. And that's that piece. So denial is always in front of us. We always have that point because you can't tell yourself, oh, I'm going to be a millionaire if you've never made $50,000. But okay, I want to be a millionaire. Okay, well, let me figure out how to make fifty thousand dollars because that's the roadmap to become a millionaire. Is how how can I how can I actively go out there and create more income? Oh, I've never had a six pack. Okay, well, that's fine. You're not going to have it overnight. But what's something I could do today? Okay, I usually have four large meals over the day. Maybe I make it three and a half. Maybe I go walk around the block three times a day. 
oh, I've never worked out before. I want to get in massive shape. Okay. Well, you're probably not going to work out three hours a day, seven days a week. Well, can you work out three times a week at a half hour a day? Denial is all always there, but the second you start doing, it's no longer part of the conversation. Yes. Excellent. Enlightened investors, if you haven't done so already, be sure and click that like button and also click that share so others can take advantage of the content. And finally, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single one of our upcoming episodes. Well, why do you wake up at 4.32 in the morning rather than 4.30? 4.32, go. Ah, okay. If you think on the point is that, yeah, I wake up at 4.30, well, why, why not 4.40? Why not 4.50? Oh, it's 4.40. Maybe I'll just hit the snooze button. I'll sleep 10 more minutes. You know, but I, I had to start getting up before my kids because they don't care about my schedule, nor should they, right? They're here to, to see dad. They're here to see mom. They're hungry. You know, they, they, they want to talk. They want to play, right? And to that point, if I'm going to put myself in the best frame to be able to give them everything that a dad's supposed to give, but even from the business side and from a husband's side, be prepared for that. I needed to get up and have that time for the preparation. Yes, indeed. What what time do you go to bed? Varies. It completely varies. I um I was in Cleveland yesterday, got back I, I don't know, nine o'clock, nine thirty. Kids were they're out for school, so they're on summer break. So maybe around 10, give or take. Some nights 8:30, some nights it just varies. Right. The, the day is going to be, and I don't think about it when, when I go to bed, you know, sleep is important. However, you get up and then if you don't have enough sleep, then you'll sleep more the next night. Well, Jason, let's uh, move into this aspect of how to raise money without asking for it. So if you think about me bringing an investment to you, especially investing in apartment buildings, there might be a lot of people here listening that have never done that. Right, I've never actually gone out there and raised capital before, or 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 actually investing in something like that. So, if I was to bring it to them today and say, "Hey, I have this great opportunity. You know, we've known each other for years. We want you to invest in me in this thing." It's a lot, just like we talk about goals. It's a lot for me to ask someone to learn something new and then entrust that I'm the right person to put that money with. So I come out here. I love these apartment buildings. They can, you know, give you cash flow, appreciation, depreciation, debt pay down, the times the scale, it can give you all these different opportunities to win. And all you have to do is you put in $50,000 and you don't have to put in the $500,000 or $5 million to be able to do it. And you don't have to do any of the work. Maybe someone who's fully in tune with it is like, that's great. However, that's a lot of information for someone to take over. So what we did out of the gate is we started talking to our network, friends and family, and allowed them to understand what we were doing, what arena we were moving into, why we were excited about it, why we loved apartment investing, and what were the stages of this process for which they could be involved. We gave them time to, to really allow it to settle in. We created a one-page sheet, very clear, very clean, that answered and spoke to the investment type that we're going to go out there and seek. And then we put it in front of them and said, we talked about this, take this away, let it sink in. And then we can come back in a week or two weeks and talk more. And if it's something of interest, fantastic. And it's not, no problem. Now, it might not be today. It might be later. But would we'd have that conversation in a week. We'd say, what do you think? Oh, this sounds great. And we would ask, well, 
how much would you think you'd want to invest? 25,000, 50,000, 100,000. And we would get some kind of frame in mind of what they would be willing to invest. So for us, we were like, we can raise a million dollars. Oh, that's great. Okay. Well, now with us knowing the type of projects we, we would go after, we could pretty much go buy a $3 million apartment deal because we would, over the million dollars of capital, get about a $3 million apartment deal. So when we found a, an opportunity, the first one we brought was a 94 unit, 2.3 million in 2017. We learned that we, we would need about $750,000 to raise. Well, we had done that pre-work going out there talking to our network. So when we had that, we went back to them and said, hey, listen, you know, we have this opportunity. Are you ready to go? And we raised that money in the day because we had already prepared the people that wanted to be partners with us to know how it worked, how they would be involved and what the stage would, would be, the steps would be once we had that uh, opportunity in front of us. So doing that, we allowed investors to understand without asking them for money, we allowed them to make the good decision. And we still do that today, right? If I brought something that of just knowledge to you, you can see if it's going to fit for you. And if it, if it does, great. Maybe it does today. Maybe it will in five years. And if it doesn't, that's fine too. But at least now you're aware the opportunity exists that maybe you'll be able to share it with somebody else that might be someone that can come into our network. Excellent example, uh, Jason. Well, raising money is one thing. And then running uh, and operating apartments is quite another thing. So talk to us about this aspect of effective asset management. So a lot of the pre-work, of course, is closing the deal. However, the majority of the work is once you close the deal because you're holding these opportunities one year, five years, 10 years, all in between. So our goal has always been setting in the phrase and setting the frame for, for managing the apartment in a good way. Now, we, the majority of these properties, we don't manage the property management side. We have property managers who run the day-to-day, -day, everything from leasing to collections to dealing with tenants, dealing with maintenance requests, and we control the oversight of the property. And with that, we have to make sure that we have a business plan, that that business plan is being implemented effectively. And weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, reviewing our plan to make sure the plan is going as we promised, as we wanted it to. And if it is not, or it is, are there things that we can improve to get the property either back in line with the business plan or make changes that can make the business plan more effective? And how do you do that? You have to set the parameters with having the right team members and the right goals. Because just as I presented here, we find the deal, we find the opportunity, we understand the business plan. We also quantify and qualify the business plan with our team members before taking it on to make sure that the team believes in it or if they have any confidence in, in the decision-making that's happening with our choices. It could be everything from the renovation plan to the rent increases to how we can curb utilities any of those processes with our team members, right? That could be everything from getting the right insurance quotes to having the right construction people on board, to construction managers, to having the right property managers. And then having actionable KPIs, right? Performance indicators to dictate how that plan is being implemented from the takeover. We have a conversation throughout the pretty much on properties throughout the week. However, we have a weekly meeting each and every week with our team to go over the property, to bring up everything, everything from collections to leasing, to construction and to just open items. Keeping that oversight in the project, it's not a set it and forget it. It's a set it and then make sure it's being done. Mm -hmm. And measure those milestones. Like we were talking about earlier, it's uh, one task at a time and 
uh, probably the same thing with the asset management of a property. You are focusing upon the critical aspects and getting the critical aspects in line, and then you worry about the less trivial things as time goes on there. But you check off one task at a time, not the whole entire aspect of it. You break down your goals into buckets, and within those buckets are different goals, and within those goals are tasks. And I find with asset management, four key parts, leasing, collections, construction, and then open items. And within those each and every week, you format yourself on those four buckets. Now, of course, there's going to be other ancillary things throughout, but if you can continue to have reference to those four buckets, you're going to be in the right spot to have a good path forward with your properties. Well, it this is multifamily investing can be can take us all over the place, but one thing that you emphasize is that a narrow focus is much more productive uh, than just looking all over the place. Why is it that you say narrow the focus? Why is that so important? So, I'm in now Tennessee, but I grew up in New Jersey, and. If you focus everywhere, you don't really know what the focus should be. So for New Jersey, if I, I lived in you know northern New Jersey, if I was to say I invest all in New Jersey, well, okay, the southern New Jersey is Cape May. Well, someone could ask me, well, okay, what's the good parts of Cape May? Where are the good school zones? Like what, what's the right side of town? What's the path of progress? I don't know. So I found an opportunity there that may look great. I may be in the complete wrong side of town, but in not making a good decision on how that investment should be analyzed because I really don't know the dialed in approach to the market. So having one market in front of you, you may say you might have less opportunities, but you can have a thousand opportunities across the country, but you have no idea where you are. So you basically don't really have opportunities. You have things that are that are something that you're not going to make a good decision upon because you don't have the right data. So understanding your market and data sets available within your market, you're going to make pristine decisions because you're going to be very proactive with what you are implementing or what you are assuming because you know the market intimately. When you get into mini markets, so even here in Middle Tennessee, you know, I focus on Nashville and the surrounding markets. I don't go to Knoxville, which is out in the east. I don't go to Memphis out in the west because those are markets that I'm not fluent with. So I couldn't tell you the good areas in those markets. So one property may get $1,100 rent in Knoxville and the other one gets 1,000. And if I'm analyzing the, the uh, property I can rent at 1,000, I may assume, well, oh, this other property that's right by it can get 1,100. But I might not realize that the dividing zone right there is something that could be a different suburb. So maybe it's different house prices, different schools. And the reason it's getting uh, 1100 versus 1000 is because that 1100 market is a much more desirable market for anything, right? So we may make the wrong assumption to assume that one property should be apples for apples for another because we're not intimate with that market approach. Makes perfect uh, sense there. Well, Jason, we're running out of time here. So tell us what you have to offer our audience and how they can get in touch with you to take advantage of that. Sure. I mean, so they're always welcome to learn more about us at Yerusi Holdings. Over there, you can learn more about our team, uh, our podcast, and more about Seven Figure Multifamily, which is our mastermind to talk talk with uh, investors and help them implement these processes to go out there and buy their first or their next apartment community. Go over to yerusiholdings.com, Y-A-R-U-S-I, holdings.com. And if you're interested in learning more about investments, you can do that same there as well. And that information is in our show notes. And so Jason, our last section here, the meaning of life questions is what I call them. We'll just go through them really quickly here. These aren't essay questions. 
but we'll just go through them real quickly. So here, one difficult setback you've had in life or the major setback you've had in life, what did you learn from that and how did you come through that? You know, I was at a really fast pace and I got hit by a car riding my bike, you know, and, and it set me back, but it, it, it kind of stopped my income because I was running a very fast active bar, right? So I wasn't able to go out there and continue to do that. And I thought that was the end of me because that was my source of income. However, it was that opportunity to look back and everything I was doing to, to let me know that I wasn't on the right track. So things happen for a reason. You know, and and it it messed me up for a minute physically, but it put my mind in a different arena where my I was just too busy to really get myself out of the noise, right? It's like that conversation that you, you can't see the label if you're inside the jar, right? And it's that same thing. I was so busy being inside the jar that I couldn't actually see the label of what was happening until something pushed me to slow down. Yeah. Amazing those those kind of opportunities. I mean, I had one of those epiphanies too. I thought it was the worst day of my life, but now I look back on it as the best day of my life. Yeah. So, yes. So what are you most grateful for? A healthy family. And three good things that have happened to you in the last 24 hours. I got back early last night, which was great. So I got to see the kids before they went to bed. Uh, we had a great walk and the team's doing a great job uh, on our property in Cleveland and really dialing in the processes there. And uh, was able to have a home-cooked meal last night compared to just eating in an airport. Wonderful. Well, how are you putting your success as an investor and entrepreneur to work to create universal well-being for all beings? Knowledge is power, right? And and I, I'm an open book to, to people that want to go out there and find a better way with apartment investing. And I, I find that it's not competition that surrounds me. It's more opportunity to, to make good connections because we all rise together. So I'm trying to share what we've learned and we're still learning each and every day. But I find that even with the meetup I started um, years ago, you know, the couple thousand members come, some of them are doing magnificent things today in the apartment community with seven figure multifamily. People came in and just they could not see how they could do this are now accomplishing massive goals. And that's just completely rewarding to watch people make a decision, start to change the outcome of their life one day at a time. And then over the course of a couple of years, just the magical transformation you see. And I can speak to that. Jason and Peely are masters at uh, sharing their knowledge and uh, expertise. So Jason, our last question, imagine you come to the end of your life and you lay on your deathbed. What do you look back on as your greatest joy and sense of fulfillment? So raising kids that, that are in place to make good decisions. I think that's most important, right? Um, my my legacy, my part, you know, things are quickly forgotten. However, what, what remains is it just the impact you had on others and most notably my family. So if I can put my kids in a great place where I can't tell them every decision, they're going to need to be empowered to make their decisions. But if I can give them guidelines for what good decisions look like, I know I will live a, have lived a good life. Jason, it's been wonderful being with you today. Thanks for being on our show. Thank you.